audio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this edition of Whiskey at Work that includes I don't know Rob. why that annoys me every I don't time. I know that it's coming. That's why I keep doing it. <laughs> That's why I'm not training. I know. I got to come up with something better than you annoy the piss out of me. I I'm guess. just happy you're wearing headphones right now. Finally, for the first time in almost four years. It's the first time you've given me a set of headphones. <laughs> headphones on for this. So this that means this I'm, podcast is going to be lit. Because you can finally don't, hear don't yourself. Don't try to cool it up now. I won't. I can't. I'm, I'm no not kidding. good at it. I've met you. You know who is going to cool it up? Our special guest today. Do you know who we're talking to today, Rob? You're yeah. damn right I do. He's yeah. now the most famous person in my in my contact list. <laughs> That's he, somebody made the mistake of giving me his phone number. It's Jeff Arnett, yeah. the uh, master distiller of company company distilling. distilling. Of course, formerly of Jack Daniels. Jack Daniels. He was there from 2009, I believe, until yeah, 2018, 19. Yeah, something like that. Uh, and he was nice enough to answer your text message once you got its number well, in the he, phone. He texted me first. <laughs> what? I know. Gotta... He, and he actually had he had the gall to go, hey, this is Jeff Arnett. I'd love to be on your show. I'm like. We know who you yeah, are. Yeah, we know who you are. Right. We've, we've heard of you. And we've had you on the show, I think, twice before. Yeah, I, well, <laughs> so, he's a busy guy. He is. And we're, and we're nobody. So no, we're totally he, understand. It's awesome to have him on. Yeah. So welcome, Jeff. Good to talk to you, man. I'm here. How's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? It's been a minute. Uh, it has been. Been too long. <laughs> well, you know, you, you. you don't come out for the rally. I don't get to see you. I know. Well, I, I came in 2020, even though Jack Daniels was pretty much on the download that year. They didn't want to do anything obvious, um, but I ended up coming out anyway. And um, I kind of knew that that was my last hurrah with them. Actually, pulled Clint aside over at the loud American and said, I know it's probably going to shock you, but I'm done. I'm going to create my own brand. I'm building my own distillery. And, you know, well, it maybe, was... maybe someday my name will be on the stage instead of that old number seven. <laughs> well, Hey, we've still got fond memories of you and, and yeah. with your new brand out. Um, I, we can't say enough good things. I mean, we've got a bottle that we, we bought at Sealbox, and then Tommy Ferguson, who you met with and gave us your information, or vice versa. Yeah. He told me he told me to open this one you signed because he had another one for me, so I took him yeah. at his word. All right, yeah. Is that the cast drink? Yep. Yeah. What do you think? Oh my goodness! Uh, pretty solid, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we won't. Uh, I mean, we won't take up too much of your time here, Jeff. I mean, thanks very much oh, no. for doing this. Uh, one of our one of our with this, one of the stories we talk about still all the time is. The last time we talked to you and had you on the show was just before that Jack Apple was going to be released. And uh, you went out and gave both of us those little bottles of it before it came out. And, man, that's one of my most prized possessions sitting up here in my office. (laughs) Love that thing. Yeah, that it was unfortunate because it's very difficult, even for Jack Daniels, to build a new product without the opportunity to be in the on-premise market. So you're, you know, being able to be in restaurants and, Cocktail bars and things of that nature are kind of critical if you're trying to, to get liquid on lips because a lot of times in a store, it's very difficult to do that. Um, so I don't know how that product has done. I thought it was good. You know, I, I you know, of all the things we did at Jack Daniels, clearly the flavors are, were those things that I was like, mm, you know, you always worried about them um, because for a lot of people who are the bourbon purists out there, they don't really like them, um, I would say, uh, even though. 
if you if you look at what I'm doing with company distilling, I have eight flavored products. I'm just not doing it under the company distilling name. I have a separate bottle, a different label. It's called Ace Gap. Um, and Ace Gap is a, is a trail that's in the national park, uh, not far from where we're located in Townsend. But it was where people used to sit around and sip. Uh, they used to play cards and sip moonshine from a still uh, back when it was illegal to do so, you know, and, and, you know, we're the first legal distillery in Blunt County where we're located, but we're not the first ones to distill there for sure. <laughs> um, but we, we, we understand that it's important to have products like that because they can be very versatile, very convenient. Um, well, so it's the, a completely area, different market too, isn't it, Jeff? It, it is, you know, one of the things that I, I think, you know, I thought Jack Daniels executions, whether it would be the honey, the, the fire, the apple, if you compared them to their competitive set, they were all really good products. Uh, and they, and they stacked up well against the competitors. I think the problem that I saw was that it was kind of positioned very close to the black label. Mm. It looked similar. It was in the same bottle. I think that was where I, I was kind of learning that you need to be careful because there are people that see these products differently. And when you put them in the same bottle, you're kind of confusing them or, or you're potentially tarnishing your reputation with some people. So I chose a different bottle, a different name, uh, but I'm doing flavored spirits too. Uh, and it's been fun. I do an espresso. I do a chocolate truffle. I do a blackberry. Um, and every one of those was thoughtfully designed because we're in a, a community where there's if everything is full, there's about 15,000 campers um, in Townsend, and wow. there are no package stores there. Uh, we are, we're a manufacturer's bottle shop. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so if we make it, if we manufacture it, we can serve it, sell it, make cocktails out of it. So all the more reason why we want to make as many different products as we can, um, because we're trying to basically meet a need in this small community of campers that's just outside of Cades Cove in the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Uh, be- beautiful location, by the way. If you've never been there, it's just absolutely beautiful. I, and I, and of course, I'm a native Tennessean, so I'm, I'm definitely prejudiced to it. But I grew up in West Tennessee, and I'd be the first to tell you that's not the prettiest end of the state. It's very flat and agricultural over there, a lot of river bottom land. Um, but it gets progressively prettier as you go through Middle Tennessee and over to East Tennessee. And it's it's hard to beat the Smoky Mountains. They're just absolutely beautiful. When you, uh, I mean, this had to be super exciting for you when you were getting ready to start all this up. Um, and, and, I mean, you, you kind of had to work within certain confines with, with Jack, obviously. Yeah. So, so when you got to branch out a little a bit, what, what is, what, what profile, I mean, what, when you sit down and you go to a bar and you're drinking a whiskey and you had in your mind, okay, I'm going to start this called company distilling. What were you specifically looking for? There, you had to have something in mind, didn't you? That maybe you weren't able to to do as much of before, right? You know, I was very loyal I, even before I came to Jack Daniels. I was a Tennessee Squire, so I was a big fan. You know, being a native Tennessean, I think it was probably the best known product from the state of Tennessee. No matter where you went, uh, whether it be in the United States or you know outside the United States, when you told somebody you were from Tennessee, it would be like Jack Daniels. You know, you might. You might get an occasional like Elvis or country music <laughs> kind of deal, but Jack was by far the best known product from the state. Um, so I didn't drink outside the portfolio of Jack Daniels very much. You know, and part of that was, especially when I was the master distiller, you were, you know, you're the public face of the brand. So people would walk up all the time and hand me unsolicited drinks, <laughs> um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be caught on video or camera drinking something. 
uh, that somebody had handed me, I just politely, you know, thanked them and set it down. <laughs> so, you know, I didn't really, um, you know, I, I was, I would say I was pretty much in the Brown or the, the Brown Foreman portfolio. If I drank outside of Jack Daniels, it would be, you know, Woodford double Oak. Um, you know, it would be something that was part of our portfolio, just kind of seeing what, you know, we were doing across all of it. The, um, the Whiskey Row series uh, from Old Forester, which I thought was so well done. Um, but the, the one thing that I had not done at Jack Daniels uh, was work with weeded, um, at least not in the public space. We actually did plant a, a Tennessee wheat crop uh, on 30 acres of land beside the distillery, and we distilled that. So not to tip, you know, you know, give away too much of what Jack Daniels has planned, but they do have something that's weeded that'll be coming forward. But I like the thought of wheat uh, largely because I just think it's a, a soft, um, it's a it's a more approachable uh, grain for a lot of people. I liken it if you if you if you eat rye bread or if you eat wheat bread, rye obviously has a lot more flavor, uh, and 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 it's also true in spirits. If you put rye into your mash bill, it's going to have a peppery, spicy note. The more you put in, the more you gain that. You're typically displacing corn when you do it, so you're you're taking the sweetness level down. And you're replacing it with this sort of black pepper note, um, and it didn't work very well because I I would had been messing around with some wood finishing that was part of the Tennessee Tasters line at Jack, and I was thinking that we would try to fix the number twenty seven gold product that that was from Jack Daniels. So um, I, I really liked that product. It was double barreled and double mellowed. Uh, unfortunately, the maple barrel, even with all the things we were trying to do to make it you know, you know, increase its integrity to hold liquids. It just bled uh, something terrible. I mean, you knew, you knew when you put away a new liquid in an, in an oak barrel, um, four or five years in, you were going to lose 20 to 25% of the product that's your angel share, your devil's cut. It's the stuff that soaks into the wood and the stuff that evaporates away. But unfortunately, if you took that liquid that, you know, 75% or so that you have um, left of the original that you put in, you drop that back into a maple barrel and four or five months into the maple barrel, you've lost that again. You've lost another 20 to 25% of the product. So the combined, you know, penalty of making that product was that you only had about half the liquid that you started with and you had to make two barrels to get there. Um, so the 27 gold became a very expensive product uh, from a liquid standpoint, even at 80 proof, those bottles were selling, you know, for a hundred to $120 if you could find one. Right. Yep. But, but I watched people, you know, coming off the tour in Lynchburg, uh, people might be looking around the bottle shop there uh, at the visitor center in Lynchburg, kind of scratching their head, not knowing if they wanted to spend a hundred dollars on a bottle of Jack Daniels. Cause that's a little bit pricey for what they think the brand should sell for. That was until they tasted it. Um, they would come off that tasting tour after they had tried the gold and they would run for that bottle. I mean, they would just, they would snatch it up. Oh, it was so a I terrific product for sure. Is, is, oh, it is. Is that it kind is. of why? I'm, I'm not really trying to make the 27 gold. This is a totally different product. I want it 90 proof. It's a weeded bourbon. Uh, but to create that that toasted maple character in a very prominent way uh, on something that I think is what I call approachable complexity, I wanted something that was maybe a little bit more complex and delivered a little bit more uh, oomph, I would say, than the 27 gold that was at 80 proof, uh, but delivered that same approachable character that, that you could get uh, from the maple wood, but also wheat, because you know, wheat is a more approachable grain than rye. So you must, you must, I mean, maple must be something that you enjoy uh, experimenting with in these bourbons then, isn't it? Well, it, to me, you know, I, I didn't start off by making a Tennessee whiskey. 
And, you know, and how Tennessee whiskeys are different than Kentucky bourbons is that they use um, a hard sugar maple charcoal. So the maple wood uh, being introduced after the distillation column and before the barrel is sort of Tennessee's unique contribution uh, to American whiskey, I call it. Um, I didn't really have the option. Um, I didn't find anything that was that was sourceable out of Tennessee that I thought was a good candidate to start. Uh, so by using the toasted maple wood as a finishing wood, I was kind of paying homage a little bit to the fact that maple is is sort of unique to Tennessee uh, as far as the process that we follow, but doing it in a different way. Um, and what I like about the fact that we've been able to create this finishing process, I'm not making barrels, but I'm mimicking a double barreling process. Uh, but I'm able to work with woods that are not feasible to be coopered into a barrel. So I don't, you know, so not every wood can be cut dimensionally with, you know, a grain alignment that would allow you to, to build staves and heads and put it together so that it would hold it all. Uh, so I can work with apple wood, cherry wood. I can do pecan wood. I can do a lot of different woods. Uh, the same way you would maybe cook with them on a grill and smoke mm. with them and all these different flavors. That's the same power that it has in creating naturally, uh, you know, high character spirits. So I'm, I'm excited about what we can do. And Tennessee's very blessed. We have a lot of diversity of hardwood trees to explore. Uh, the, the National Park actually has one of the greatest biodiversities of hardwood trees on the planet. Um, you know, just a couple of miles from where our distillery is in Townsend, there's more biodiversity of hardwoods there than there is in all of Europe. Is is there something you... Great spot. Is there something you're excited to experiment with that you want to try coming up? A wood that you're like, you know, what if we did this? <laughs> you know... <laughs> I made it a point, and I, and I, I know there's a lot of people out there who really love rye uh, whiskeys, and I, I don't want to completely dismiss, you know, what they like, that it's not relevant. Uh, but that peppery, spicy note that comes from rye, um, it has to be matched up with the wood that you're finishing with. And I didn't think rye was a good candidate for maple. I thought the wheat did much better with it because it kept it sort of soft and sweet, and they balanced one another out. Uh, cherry wood actually is a better finishing wood for rye. Um, well, that so makes that's complete sense, actually. Yeah. So um, when I tasted the, the, you know, when I was like kind of going through the rise, I thought any ride that I really liked and had a good character as I was kind of assessing what we could do, there was actually almost like a dried cherry note in there already. So I'm like, that's the natural wood, I think, to pair with it. Uh, so just, you know, getting the wood, being able to toast it, being able to mimic that double barreling process. So that our next offering that's coming out from company should be out in the next couple of weeks is going to be a rye. Um, and it's going to be uh, with a toasted cherry wood. And, and, I, and I'm not dismissing Tennessee and charcoal mellowing either. Um, you know, I have been able to find something that I thought was a, was a good candidate. But when I went through this matrix of wood, um, you know, I was toasting the woods and I was kind of putting them on different platforms to see which one mates up the best with certain grain bills and certain characters. I like the apple wood on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm going to do a, um, a, what I call a Tennessee three wood. Um, because it has been um, mellowed through hard sugar maple charcoal. It's been matured in a charred oak barrel. And then I'm going to use toasted applewood uh, as the finishing agent on it. So it'll have three woods uh, involved in its uh, in its manufacturing, but it'll be all natural. You, and uh, so that, that that's the stuff that I'm, I'm having a good time with. These are things that uh, probably would not have moved the needle at Jack Daniels. You know, that was, I think, one of the struggles at Jack Daniels is that success was always the next million cases. And and sometimes these ideas that you have, you're not going to generate that, you know, Tennessee honey did, uh, is, is it the thing that I was most proud of in the time I was at Jack Daniels? No, not really. Um, you know, taking the whiskey and putting a flavoring in it is not something that most, 
you know, science people or <laughs> for distillers, you know, that's not what you really want. You want to get in there with yeast and, and grain and, and create something naturally. Um, you know, you want to innovate in the barrel uh, as best you can and not necessarily have to resort to doing the flavorings. Um, but like I said, I'm doing all that now. <laughs> so, um, you, you, you mentioned I, yeah, the charcoal. I learned a lot when I was there, and there were things that I'm like, yeah, that's smart to do, but here's the smart way to do it. <laughs> um, you know, call it call it something different. Put it in a different bottle if it's not really part of this, you know, flagship you're trying to create. So I'm going to be very protective of the company brand. The bottle that you see there, uh, anything that goes into it is going to be because I've studied it um it, it'll be something i'm going to explore a lot i'm using a different bottle structure to present that to the public i'll let them help me decide what's the best of what i'm doing uh, it's like this rye that's coming out it's not going in that bottle right away um it's yeah i'm going to hold off um and, and if the response on it is great enough if i feel like we've really got it polished uh, up the way we need to then i'll make plans and i'll decorate that bottle and i'll move a rye into it but um, the same way I felt like maybe Jack Daniels should have protected that that square bottle and black and white label a little bit better from some of the things that they were putting out. Uh, I, I don't want to make that mistake for my new brand for sure. sure. If, if it was if it was a mistake, I think we can argue whether or not that was smart or not. Sure, uh, it was a decision that Jack Daniels made. It wasn't my decision. Um, you know, we all lived with it once it was done. But I, I felt like there could have been a way. I think like Buffalo Trace Sazerac. Um, most people don't put the together the fact that fireball and pappy come from the same place you know, <laughs> right from the same company because they look so different and uh but everything at jack daniels was in a square bottle and had the jack daniels name on it you know for, for you good or bad you mentioned that the, the charcoal melling process and and how you're going to utilize that are, and this mm-hmm. the, the company company is the bourbon that we're drinking today mm-hmm. but are yep. you are you planning on making a tennessee whiskey too i am you know we're we're about a year maybe 18 months away from being able to set up our facility here of uh, the main one. We have towns and open, uh, but it's in a, a town that only has electricity and septic tanks. Um, so even though we have, we have 2.2 million cars that pass in front of our property headed into the national park. So we get great traffic. We get about 13 or 14 of the Eastern half of the United States states that pass by there. So it's giving us good visibility in states that we plan to distribute into. So kind of helping us, uh, get ourselves established. Um, but we bought 31 acres back in Knoxville. Um, and that's part of a, a area that's called Springbrook farm. Uh, but there's an old brick plant there uh, and it was undisturbed. It, they had run cattle on it. So they had added onto the brick plant where they put on like livestock, uh, like lean to sheds just to keep them in the dry places to feed and everything, put some silos over there to bring grain and food in. Uh, so we're going to clean that property up and slim it down and turn it into our barrel warehouse uh, it's got a creek that runs the full length of the property. Um, it's literally a mile, maybe a mile and a half from the Knoxville Airport, so it's in a really good location uh, as far as traffic flow in and out of it. Uh, you feel like you're off the grid when you're on the property, but you're real close to major highways and, and interstates. So we could, I feel like we can build a, a national, if not global, brand out of that location. So, so that's you, our intention. Do you... Um... You you did to start this whole to start the company distilling you 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 had to um, you had to go find a blend of this correct I mean you had to start um, how how does how does that whole process work for you when you're getting you know because patience is a key for for this kind of whiskey for sure and you're not going to have it what you've distilled in the barrel ready to go yet so how does correct. how does that all work for you guys 
you know, I, I literally backed into what we did for, for company. Um, so, you know, when I was with Jack Daniels, we, we actually had two cooperages that made barrels for us. One was down in uh, North Alabama. It only made barrels for Jack Daniels. And then the original cooperage was in Louisville and it made barrels for Woodford, Old Forester, for Jack Daniels. Now, the guy that ran the cooperage in Louisville, his name was Darren Whitmer. He had left Brown Foreman and started Spaceside Cooperage in Jackson, Ohio. Um, so, you know, Jack Daniels, one of the things I felt like they always got right is they made a good barrel. And the barrel is all of your color and over half of your flavor. So if you get that part of the equation right, you're well down the road, I think, on you know, to success. If you dismiss the barrel and its importance, all the bets are off. I think you can put a great liquid in a bad barrel and it's going to be a terrible whiskey, but you can put a marginal whiskey in a good barrel and save it. It's, it's just that important. Wow. So uh, I went to talk to Darren because he had started space. I wanted to make sure I understood his capabilities to toast and char barrels. Uh, and also being a small brand, you know, when there's a wet logging season, when the wood supply gets tight, small brands get cut off quickly. Uh, the, these cooperages, they're going to be loyal to people like Jim Beam and Maker's Mark and, and all the other um, brands that they're supplying who buy in volume. And the small players are going to just have to wait until they have barrels to sell. So I wanted to make sure he would support me. You know, we, we had a, a long-term friendship, and I'm like, yeah, I'm starting my own brand. I want you to make me a barrel. I, but more importantly, I want you to make me a good barrel that you won't cut me. <laughs> you know, when, the, when the crap hits the fan, you know, I just want to make sure that, that you're, you've got my back. And he said, oh, absolutely. I'll take care of you. Uh, so in that conversation, um, he actually had created his entire array of different toasts and chars that he could create in-house. Uh, and he had partnered with a, a, a distillery that was about an hour down the road. And um, I, I was not familiar with them, did not know their product at all. Uh, but as I was tasting through, this product was maybe about three years old at the time. And that's about how long his cooperage had been around. So these were some of the first barrels that he had produced at that location. But I was super impressed. I'm like, I've never even heard of these people, but this is some of the best liquid I had tried. Um, so he set me up an appointment. We flew up and talked to them. They, they actually had the same equipment set for Menersize. Everything that we were planning for our Alcoa facility near the Knoxville airport uh, was what they had. And they had some excess capacity to offer us. So we basically uh, talked with them. We were able to select our grain bill, our yeast culture, our barrel. So we could start laying away you know, putting up a, 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 a new whiskey, a new bourbon that would be exclusive to us. So that's where we started. So you, uh, we decided you, started, started, you started from the very started. beginning with the, with the distillery making essentially the juice that you engineered. Yes. We, we decided who we wanted to be years down the road before we came back and started making any, you know, immediate sourcing decisions. Um, the, the only thing that's going to be slightly different is of course the, the liquid that's in front of you right now, it's a weeded bourbon. There's no rye in that recipe. I am going to add a little rye in, um, just not imposingly. So when you, when you look in the, the stuff that's sourceable right now, if it has rye in it, it typically begins around 21% goes up into the thirties. Uh, that, that creates a pretty, you know, peppery, spicy note and, and almost any, any bourbon, and I was trying to avoid that. So my only option really was to just go to weeded. And weeds are much more difficult to find, I can tell you. Um, <laughs> we ended up in three different states um, with with three different liquids that the only thing they had in common was none of them had rye in it. Uh, so they were, th- and on a composite basis, the way I put them together, we're at about 65% corn, 30% wheat, and 5% malted barley. Uh, but that, that it took that, those weeded, 
expressions to kind of create the underlying character that I needed for the maple wood to shine on it. I, I wanted it to be very prominent and, and forward uh, in, in the character of it. Um, but I would just say, if you like what we're doing right now with company, I think you're really going to like when we switch to this four grain. Um, I, no, no brand out there right now features a four grain bourbon as its flagship. So to me, I saw that as an opportunity to kind of claim it and own it. Um, and also the character of it matches up well with the maple. Um, so well, it's, it's pretty versatile, pretty uh, yeah. versatile. I can do a lot of things with it, but yeah, so we chose what we wanted to be years from now. Uh, first, and then we kind of backed in and said, "What can we get now that would be even close to that?" I guess and the what, closest thing I can find is the wheat. What I'm so surprised about this is when we first had it. It was a month or so ago, a month and a half ago, I think, when we got the bottle up here. And you know, I, I think both Rob and I were like, "Well, it's 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 the maple." I mean, we're kind of getting uh, we understand that that flavor and what it is, but I had I had no idea, and nowhere on the bottle does this mention that you have wheat on it. You don't mention that right. as, as part of it, and and now. That's what I'm getting. That was the part that was missing. You get yep. the wheat in here, and boy, if you right. put yeah, if you start mixing in some rye into that, this is going to be just, really just, interesting. Just not too much rye. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, and, and I would just tell you, I like rye, but I didn't need it to dominate. Um, so what you're what you're tasting right now, like I said, on a composite basis, it's a 65% corn, 30% wheat, and 5% malted barley. I'm going to shift that just slightly. It'll still be 65% corn. I'm going to go to 25% wheat, uh, 5% dark rye, and then a 5% uh, malted barley. So I'm going to work a little bit of a dark rye uh, into the equation. Just a and, little uh, spice to it. Just a little bit. Just, you know, just, you know, the same way you would get just from a little pinch of, of rye bread. Uh, just to kind of uh, create a little bit more of that, that character. Because for a lot of people, if there is a, and there's a lot of people out there who don't like wheated bourbon. You know, people who just, you know, whether it be Pappy or Weller or Maker's Mark, even though those are, those are, I think, very well thought of brands, a lot of people don't prefer them because they really like a little rye character mm -hmm. uh, in a bourbon. So I don't want to completely ignore that. I understand that. But um, I had to choose the best of the options that were on the, you know, on the table that I could find. Um, but but I, I'm, I'm very pleased with where this is. I don't want to, like, talk down about what I'm putting out right now. I just want a platinum award, which actually – you know, not to, to put down my previous brand, but beat Jack Daniels Single Barrel and Jack Daniels Single Barrel Ride actually beat Weller 107 and Weller 12. It beat Angels Envy uh, at the last Ascot Awards because those won gold. That's uh, and impressive. I, and I'm definitely, definitely not putting those brands down because I admire those brands and they have, you know, a long track record of, of success. And that's, you know, what I'm seeking. But at least with the judges who were who were judging blind different liquids, they saw me as pulling a level of character above that. Uh, which it, I'm, I'm pleased. I feel like I wanted approachable complexity. That was what I thought this first offering should be. I think it meets that. I really do. I, I tell you, Jeff, you've, yeah. I, I well, what, well, you know, when the story came out that, that you were leaving and starting your own thing, I don't think anybody thought, well, we, what's coming out is not going to be drinkable right away. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, I'm sure everybody thought, I mean, this, he, he knows the game. He knows what to do. Oh, yeah. And and now you finally get to go and 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 be free and and yep. turn and turn this into you want what you want to turn it into. Yep. But you know, as much as I really like this ninety proof, I just wish that the supply chain would have been in better shape because the the cast strength that you guys have um, makes a statement too. Yeah. I would have loved to. I would have loved to have put it out side by side and given for the bourbon purist out there uh, the opportunity to try this liquid straight out of the barrel. Because I've tried a lot of liquids straight out of the barrel, and some of them 
I would say they have to be cut before bottling out of necessity because they're just like gasoline. I mean, you feel like you're removing the enamel on your feet <laughs> when you drink them straight. I mean, they're hot. They're just, they're pure fire. Um, this one at 121, you would never guess that is the proof point on it. Well, uh, I think I we'll have some people beating on the door once I, once I tell them that we've got this in, you know, in our little bourbon network up here, they'll be, hey, man, so, when, when do I get a pour of that? Speaking of that, how when, you know, a distribution is kind of a weird, complicated sort of thing. Um, oh, yeah. What, where, you know, when do you envision rolling this out to more places like South Dakota? Yep. So right now we are in Tennessee and Georgia, and we just signed a, a distribution agreement in Texas. Um, so we're headed there next. And um, there's a there's an online retailer called Sealbox, mm-hmm. which yep. you might be familiar with. They actually, I, I was checking the states they can cover. Uh, they don't cover South Dakota or North Dakota, but they do go to Wyoming. Uh, so if you live in Wyoming, you can actually go to their online store and order it, and they can deliver it to your house. Well, well, Somebody gonna... should tell Sealbox that, because that's where I that's where I got this one from. Yeah, they shipped it to South Dakota. Right. <laughs> oh, did they? Yeah, they did. All right, well, well, very good. I need to. I need to get an updated list from them then. Okay. Well, um, you know, they, maybe you can ship it to us direct. Yeah, they <laughs> they sent us a, a state listing that they currently had like these interstate commerce agreements where they could ship back and forth, um, and they did not list South Dakota as being on that list, but they have Wyoming on the list. Okay. Well, uh, I tell you what, Jeff. Um, you know, I don't want to take up any 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 more of your time. It's it's always no, 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 I, I, it's a, it's a pleasure, guys. Really, I, yeah. I've, I've missed the fact that I couldn't be out there the last couple of years. <laughs> oh, we'd love but, to uh, have you come back too. I mean, yeah. anytime you're available. I mean, we'll make room. We'll make space. Uh, we'll we'll talk to you. You know, ten straight days about this whiskey if we have to to get yep. you up here. So. Well, hopefully, hopefully we can have a launch party here soon uh, for company in South Dakota, oh, and, especially around Rapid City and, and Sturgis. I love that area. I love the people there. I had such a good time. That was one of the reasons why there were very few. I would say there were probably no U.S. cities that I visited as much as I did Sturgis. Um, and, and 12 years as master distiller, I came there eight times. Wow. Uh, I don't even know that I went to Nashville that much. <laughs> because they, they, you know, my, all my time I only had a twenty percent uh, travel allocation, so they would rather send me to London yeah. than have me up in Nashville somewhere. Um, so, but yeah, I always enjoyed coming out there. I love the motorcycle community and the beauty of that area uh, for sure. But um, I'm not I'm not that far away uh, from the standpoint of being able to make a four grain available, and when I hit it. I'm going to be able to stretch my legs and open up distribution a lot more than I can right now. Excellent. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. If you, yeah, if, you was, have, if you have a launch party with us at all, if you have any, <laughs> you do that in South Dakota, boy, you get a hold of us because we'll make it a big deal. Absolutely. I'd love to do that. Awesome, Jeff. Well, again, thank you so very much for taking a few minutes oh. to talk with us. And, and once that four grains ready to go, you know, we'll reach out and uh, hopefully do another one of these. Okay. Absolutely. I've got actually got a small sample of it here. It's coming along. <laughs> I, I love Jeff, I love the little yeah. bottles that you create. They're they're my favorite thing. <laughs> coming along. I, I like the big bottles myself. <laughs> it takes less gas to go to the store. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a great Thanksgiving. Thank you so much. Happy Thanksgiving to you guys too. Thank you, you too, sir. Yep. Thanks, Jeff. All right. Well, that was our conversation with Jeff Arnett. And as always, uh, you know, it's what's what's awesome about Jeff is Jeff doesn't need uh, a way to start. He doesn't need a lot of prompting. <laughs> no. Like I, I, I forgot I, just how much he I could. I might as well just have been one of these things hanging on the wall here. 
right? He's 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 great that way. Um, you know, he's, well, so, he's so knowledgeable. knowledgeable. Yeah, yeah that's the, me to it. That's the thing. He's we. It, it was fun just to sit here. And and just to to listen to that whole conversation. Well, he dictated where this was going. Pretty much, he, he was in the driver's seat, and we were just in a <laughs> car following behind him. Uh, so, unfortunately, like he said, we don't have the distribution for this up here in South Dakota. But um, you know, Sealbox, I we, we we have some sort of deal that our legislature made some sort of deal with this during COVID, I believe. Yeah, it's been a couple of years, I think. Yeah. So if you go to that website, you can order this because we got it shipped here. Yeah, we had the yeah company Straight Bourbon we had shipped here. I think the cast strength, I think uh, Tommy had to get yeah, bring that uh, back on the right. airplane. Um, but you can at least have the initial offering from them if you order from that website. So it won't be here for Mountain West Whiskey Festival, which, of course, March 4th, 2023, all of the platinum tickets are gone already. Yeah, and there's not, not some people that aren't up. super tickled about that. I VIPs know. are still available. Yes. Gets you in an hour early. Gets you a few offerings that aren't available to the the general admission right. folks. But even the general admission tickets are amazing for this event. Right? You you can't try this many whiskeys for that price no. at any other thing that I'm aware of. At least not in this area. Not not in the in in the region. I, I mean, don't think there's. I mean, we've been to a couple of whiskey things outside of our mm-hmm. own and the 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 price per sampling i mean is it, almost double yeah it's 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 more expensive and the samples are what they are right I mean, God bless them for trying, but they ain't us. <laughs> so, all right, Robbie, throw that gauntlet down, yeah, no. buddy. No more down. free tickets to any other whiskey <laughs> event in the Black Hills. But you can get them at MontwestWhiskeyFestival.com. You can get them from the Monument.live, I believe. No, I'm nope, sorry. That not, was for Beer nope, Fest. God yep. dang it. Well, you can go to the Monument.live for all your other tickets. Uh, <laughs> MountainWestWhiskeyFestival.com. Right. We can't say whiskey. F-E-S-T, because that's trademarked. Was it? So, yeah, it is. Huh, that because must of, be why. Because of the big ones in Chicago, Vegas, oh, yeah. uh, New York, and there's a fourth one. Yeah, that's a, that's a trademark deal. So we have to say Whiskey Festival. Can't shorten well, it. Well, it sounds classier that way. Sure it does. You know, the, we're, we, we, the, the new logo's classy. It's kind of nostalgic. You know, it's, it's got yeah. some got some oomph to it. You did that. You did a good job, or, well, or Scoot did a good job. Yes, on it. yeah. <laughs> one, one of our talented designers right. did a very you, good job. You polished it up. Though, I Rob. did polish it up. I'll give you credit for that. Okay. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll be back. Well, next week. Uh, I, I have an idea. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Whiskey at Work. I am the producer and host, Mark Houston, along with Rob Henry. Our shows are engineered by Chris Jaquist, and the video and audio editing is done by our own Russ Haddon. If you like what you hear, we would love a five-star review wherever you rate your podcast and leave us a comment as well. It's Whiskey at Work on the Home Slice Audio Network. Whiskey at Work.